2: Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio.
1: (laughs) Welcome, welcome to the show. Happy Friday and happy is the operative word after that little baby giggle. It is so hard to resist a really good baby belly laugh. I think the world needs more of that. My name is Brooke Taylor sitting in for Timmery again today. So happy to be with you. And on today's show, the reason that I started with laughter is because that video actually popped up in my calendar memories as it was about 12 years ago, around this time, that was recorded at an orphanage in Poland. That happens to be our daughter, Karolina. And my husband, Jim, and I met her for the first time. She was being cared for in a facility in Czestochowa, Poland. She was about nine months old then. and. It's a miraculous story, as all our lives are, of the way we ended up there in God's faithfulness. But judging from just that little glimpse of glee, meeting her for the first time, laughing, I was ripping paper. She was just bubbling over. And this total moment of joy, we had no idea of what was to come, what was just around the next mile marker. And you know, that is life. We never do know the path that God will call us to walk any given day, any given hour. And after going back for our second trip to Poland, then eventually bringing Carolina home and, and having another baby, we had five children, we would face a diagnosis that changed our lives. And that for us was autism on the spectrum, our daughter, Carolina, is considered more severe on, on the lower functioning end of things clinically, uh, but also with an intellectual disability and and receiving that diagnosis, that it wasn't just a matter of a language barrier or time or developmental delay, but this would be lifelong, was something that you know takes the wind out of you. It made me wonder if we would ever laugh like that again. Well, you know, God gives us these breadcrumbs along the way, glimpses of glory, and boy, have we laughed since then, and this beautiful spark of happiness that that hearing it then was so emblematic of our daughter's life and who she is, and we need those reminders and how God is with us, the joy He gives us, and the hope that He calls us to, and that's what today's show is about. April is Autism Awareness Month, and up until that diagnosis was made for us and our family, I really couldn't have told you a whole lot about what autism was or how it presents other than maybe what I saw in watching the movie Rain Man with Dustin Hoffman. That was really my only context. And honestly, our daughter, her autism is not like that at all. So that's just a bit of what we will touch on this hour, but it's a lot more than that, special needs parenting from a Catholic perspective we will discuss adjusting to an unexpected diagnosis, burnout, guilt, grief, and also things like going to mass, receiving the sacraments. So even if this isn't on your radar, I think it's still good to listen in because studies show that church attendance is a struggle for families with special needs children and the acceptance of others and just navigating all of that. And so anything else that you might want to address over the course of this Friday edition of Trending, we will try to unfold it into the program. We have two experts with us who have different stories, but a lot of similarities in terms of heart and hopes. And I think you will be, encouraged and edified by their lives and the beauty of how they've navigated through their challenges with great faith. Mary Lenneberg is one of our guests. She will be here later in the program. She is a wife and mother of two. Her daughter Courtney had severe disabilities and for 22 years as mom and caregiver and a journey that took them to Lourdes and around the world, and she died at the age of 22 in 2014. So we'll talk to Mary and into the pages of her book called Be Brave in the Scared, How I Learned to Trust God During the Most Difficult Days of My Life. Really beautiful, fascinating story. And our first guest now is Kelly Mantone. She is a Catholic wife, mother, I think foster mom as well. We'll have to ask about that. I saw that in their Homeschooler, caregiver, author. Her book is called Better Than Okay, Finding Joy as a Special Needs Parent. She's also the founder of Accepting the Gift, an online apostolate for Catholic special needs parents. And before we even jump into the conversation, I just want to give you the number to call. It's one 914 9149 That's the studio line. If you are a special needs parent, if you know one, shoot a quick text, maybe call them because I know we're going to cover some valuable pearls of wisdom here and would love for you to be a part of that as well. So let's get to it. Let's jump in. Welcome to the program, Kelly. Hi, Brooke. It's so great to talk with you this evening. Uh, Yes, likewise, ditto. I'm so glad it worked out. And I know our time is limited and and we've got so much to get to. And I just want to jump on in. So if maybe you could start just tell us a little bit about your beautiful family.
0: Oh, my word. Yeah, I'll try to be concise. Um, So yeah, I'm a wife, 21 years. Uh, I have five kids. the oldest three are typically developing, and my youngest two, who are 14 and 12, have a neuromuscular disorder known as spinal muscular atrophy. Um, so they're physically disabled. They require care to do, you know, basic, all the basic tasks of daily living. They need help with it, and they use power wheelchairs for mobility to get around. But cognitively, they're just like any other 12- and 14-year-old boys you may know. So they love their video games. They love Marvel. They love all that kind of stuff. Um, And so, you know, we're kind of, our normal is different from most people's uh, normal, but, you know, it's, uh, we're a pretty happy family and we've adjusted and, you know, yeah, I'd say we're a joyful family and that's the message I try to bring through my ministry and my book and the speaking and everything that I do now. So,
1: yeah. I want yeah, and I want to touch on your ministry. So you you started the apostolate, accepting the gift, acceptingthegift.org is the website. Excellent place for resources. One I think one of the most engaging features you have on there too is this video content. It's from your YouTube channel. And you have quick little vignettes. Every video has a different theme or topic. You answer questions. So I want to go into that and just play a clip and ask about one of your videos. Uh, If we Mm -hmm. can pull one up, Jim, this one is entitled, Can My Autistic Child Receive the Sacraments of Holy Communion, Penance, and Confirmation? So let's take a little listen to that now.
0: One of the biggest problems I hear about is parents whose children are being denied the sacraments due to a diagnosis of either autism or an intellectual disability. Parishes either don't know how to integrate this child into an existing religious education program, or they don't want to try. Some leave it up to the discretion of the parish priest, who often isn't too sure what to do. If you have a child who is autistic or intellectually delayed, and you're not getting any clear answers from your parish, Here's some things you can do to fight to get them their sacraments.
1: Mm. And you go on to say, don't wait. Work on communication with your parish, the priest, the DRE. So is that a common question that you get a lot, Kelly?
0: It is. And really, I didn't realize how blessed we were at our parish. You know, when our sons were diagnosed, we had already been members of this parish. And so when our fourth child was diagnosed with SMA and then our fifth, you know, we needed things like ramps. We needed physical modifications. And our parish just stepped right up. And then one of my sons also has some learning disabilities. And our DRE, she just she had a background in special education. So she actually created a religious education IEP for him. And so we never had any problems. But I found as I started blogging more about like our family and how we, you know, lived our lives, I was getting a lot of emails from people that said, you know, this was not the case at their parish. And they really needed advice. And so, you know, I wrote my book, I started a conference called Accepting the Gift, and then I turned the conference into the ministry. And through the outreach and the work I'm doing with the ministry and connecting with more parents, I realized that, you know, there's a lot of families who are being denied sacraments and are being turned away at church, you know, just because ushers, priests, DREs, they just don't understand. They just don't know. You know, we have some wonderful dioceses across the country that offer wonderful programs. But unfortunately, we have, you know, sort of these empty areas where there's really nothing. And in those areas, parents are really struggling. So that's really why I created the ministry and offer all these resources to help these parents who are kind of in these spots where they can't find any help and assistance. So we're offering them tools, teaching them how to advocate, teaching them that, yes, your child can get these sacraments And then how to go about, you know, presenting your case to the DRE, to the parish priest, you know, if you need to go to the diocese for assistance, you know, who you can talk to. So we're just kind of helping parents in these areas where maybe there's not as much resources available.
1: That's so good because, again, you know, the advocacy, it's for the entire body of Christ, the parish, but also fellow parishioners. I know growing up, I don't remember growing up in my parish if I if I noticed or paid attention, but I don't recall seeing, you know, fellow parishioners that had autism or I, I'm sure that there were, you know, with special needs. But I know for us in our situation, I felt like some of our, our older friends, they, they just did not know because our daughter has a lot of vocal stimming and she would be very loud. And I would think, do I need to take Mm -hmm. her out because she can't really help it. They need to pray or they need to pray. I need to respect the reverence that they are seeking at the same time you know, maybe the grace can go both ways, because it's not as if she's having a temper tantrum. And if we just take her out, that'll stop, you know, this is kind of her brain and the output that's necessary. And so this grace, this dance of learning, and also advocacy talking, I I remember at one point, because there was I mean, it would just be I would be sweating going to mass because I would be so afraid that I was under a microscope of, you know, people judging my parenting and not understanding. And with autism, it's not immediately obvious, perhaps, that there is a disability Mm -hmm. because you can't always tell. And especially when you're younger, you think, well, maybe it's just toddler behavior. And I remember for a while, she, I had a little, um, little lanyard that she wore on her neck and it said please be patient with me i have autism and it was just a way for you know the older people people that might not know to say okay there's something going on here maybe there's a neurological reason for this but then on the other hand i felt terrible because i thought i'm i'm putting a sign on my daughter that's terrible like you know and when, you come, when it comes down to it, all of us could have something that says, please be patient with me. Please be patient with me. I'm struggling mm-hmm. with grief or loss or a diagnosis or I'm a care, you know, all these different things. And so I think the more we understand, uh, because we just only can see on these quick hello and pleasantries when we exchange greetings, um, what someone is going through, it, it really is a beautiful opportunity to welcome Christ.
0: Mm-hmm. I find that, you know, because my sons are in power wheelchairs, when we show up at a new parish as we're traveling, it's very obvious what accommodations we need. You know, they're in wheelchairs. We need ramps. We need bigger pews. But, yeah, when right. you have a child that has, you know, different behavioral or stimming or, you know, things like that, it's not apparent. Again, I, my godson wears hearing aids, and he needs accommodations for that, but he has some longer hair. You can't see that you know he needs people to speak clearly to him so he can see their face and again it's it's not always apparent what the accommodations are that someone needs and it's it's why i try to do more outreach to dioceses and to parishes to just educate and it's not even educating just your your volunteers in your religious education class it's educating everyone in the parish like these are the types of people that might be coming this is how we welcome everyone because again When families like ours come to a parish, we're not coming there just to be served, but we have talents. You know, even my sons, people tend to not think that they have talents, but they have talents that they can give to the parish, to the church. And so when you make your parish accessible, welcoming, you're gaining something also. You're not just giving, you're gaining a lot as well.
1: That is such a good point. So important. I remember reading that. I know that you really highlight that resource, too, on your website for uh, the USCCB statement, uh, the guidelines for celebrations mm-hmm. of the sacraments with persons of disabilities. But it's really a beautiful document. And just to your point that we all have gifts and whatever stage of life we're in, we're called, you know, to use them. And and there's such beauty in that. And um, I have a whole list of questions. We have calls. So if it's OK, I want to take Vinny while he's on the line and he's mm-hmm. calling in from New 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 Jersey. Kelly Mantone is with us. Apostolate is Accepting the Gift, acceptingthegift.org. And uh, wife, mom, author, Vinny. you're on with Kelly.
2: Hi. um, I have a daughter. I have four children. Uh, um, My youngest is four. Her name is Fiona. She has lysencephaly and it's a rare brain malformation. Basically leaves her Unable to speak and unable to walk. Um, right now, she's en route uh, to uh, Children's Hospital in Philadelphia because she has bad case of pneumonia, and they had to transfer her from New Jersey to Philadelphia. So, I've just asked for prayers for her, and um, mm-hmm. just in general, um, as a father of uh, Catholic father of uh, someone with special needs, I often wonder like how she will, if she's allowed to get, like, communion and all these other sacraments when she can't even speak and, you know, she can't do certain things that other kids can do. So I've never, I never, I don't know how how it'll happen when she gets old enough for those sacraments, but, you know, in my parish, you know, most people are very welcoming and, and can, can tell that there's a, that Fiona is different, so <clears throat> I'm grateful for that, but, um, you know, I wish I had more time to listen to the to this show because it seems like there's a lot of resources out there that I didn't realize for uh mm-hmm. people like myself.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you so much, Vinny. I just really quickly, first and foremost, and I know Kelly will both interject together and in unison, uh, cover you in prayer and trust you to our lady Mm -hmm. and your precious, beautiful girl, Fiona. What an amazing dad you are to call on behalf of your daughter to advocate and to share and to pray. Also, this will be bundled in a podcast and and hopefully will be efficacious in some way, perhaps. But most importantly, we just pray for the restoration and health of your daughter. And and Kelly, anything that you might want to add to Vinny, this amazing dad
0: i just want to say Vinny, i'm also in new jersey my kids go to children's hospital of philadelphia we've been there numerous times for pneumonia because my sons are they have respiratory issues as well i know you're going to be in great hands i know they're going to take care of you there so i know physically you're going to get the best possible care for your daughter and then spiritually we're going to cover you in prayer as well um but just also you know Don't worry about the future, but I know that, and I see it in kids who cannot speak, kids who are tube fed, kids who have all sorts of disabilities, um, very rare. We have a lot of parents in our group who they only know of themselves that have their child with this rare diagnosis. Um, So, I mean, I know that your daughter, you know, can get the sacraments that she's going to be able to be brought into, you know, the body of Christ through these things, there is a way, you know, the church is there for her. And um, so anyway, so yeah, I will be praying for you and trusting that, you know, CHOP is going to take good care of you and your daughter.
1: You know, you can hear dad's heart and the love that he has for his daughter. So that's hard. It's Mm -hmm. hard to keep it together because it's very evident. And you think we are alive coast to coast. And of all the places, if any calls in to the very hospital that you are familiar with, with pneumonia, you know, that his daughter has And, and to be able to offer that encouragement is really beautiful. And also with the rosary across America coming up today's Friday, the sorrowful mysteries. And so absolutely we will enfold Vinny and Fiona and the entire family into the mysteries of the rosary this day on Friday and all of the graces that flow from that. So we we thank you and we will be praying for you, Vinnie. And we are close at, in a, a few minutes to a break. I have so many questions to get to yet, Kelly. I, and I think touching on what Vinnie said, what you've been sharing about your boys, when that diagnosis comes in, it's such a tidal wave. I know that this isn't just exclusive to a disability, but cancer, mental health, Alzheimer's, a lot of areas where all of a sudden you're, you're not Just dealing with this new reality, where all of a sudden you are completely knocked down, and you have to somehow process and wrap your head around it. But then all the vocabulary that comes with it: funding, therapy, special needs, trust, equipment, adaptive equipment in some cases, devices, supplements, diets. All of this that's overwhelming, and it's difficult to even know where to start. And not to Mm -hmm. mention religious formation, which is the you know the most primary because we have a soul that will carry on and so so what are some of the most frequently asked questions i guess or concerns you get from catholic special needs parents because we might be all navigating different things but there are a lot of similarities too
0: wow i mean i get a lot of questions a lot of and that's really what started my book is because i kept getting these emails with all these questions um the biggest thing is people come to me with all these feelings. You know, you've been given this, this terrible diagnosis for your child and all the things that you imagined they would be doing seem like they're not going to happen. Um, in, in our case, when my son was diagnosed um, just before his first birthday, there were no treatments for SMA. And so basically, I was told there was a good chance he would die before he was three. And so everything that I had envisioned for his life, now I'm looking at possibly losing him as a toddler. And so the biggest thing I just tell everyone when they come to me with all these questions and all this, it's, you have to understand whatever you're feeling is okay and it's normal and that you're going to go through this grieving process and you have to allow yourself to kind of grieve all the things that you thought your child would have and would do and just realize they're going to look different now. Um, that's the biggest thing because I think people are, you know, it's easy to get overwhelmed. I actually just had a mom referred to me whose son was diagnosed just a couple of days ago with SMA. And she's coming to me with all these questions about treatment and all these things and and i'm like you know i think you should consider this consider talking to this person but you need to just take a little bit of quiet time to to kind of process all this i think we want to jump into fighting and treating sometimes um but there's a lot of big feelings there and we kind of have to deal with them otherwise they kind of come back later in unhealthy ways um so i always tell people deal with your feelings and then as catholics The other big question I get is on family planning. Um, Right away, everyone wants to know, how open do I have to be to having more kids? Can I have more kids, especially if there's a genetic component, which is something that was an issue for my husband and I? Um, Mm -hmm. So family planning, for those that are faithful to the church and do not want to contracept and do not want to use things like IVF, um, it's, it's a very tough issue. And it's something that I always have to say you need to basically work with a very good priest and not social media, not your friends, not your mom, not your mother-in-law. You need to just prayerfully consider what God is calling you to do and know that being faithful to the church is possible. As hard as it may seem at times, God will give you the strength to do the right thing um, and give you the peace to accept whatever comes. So, so yeah, those are the big ones, just those big feelings, that grief that comes. And then family planning As well, that's the other, the big one that I hear about
1: really wise counsel. Good, good advice on tough issues and emotional issues as you're talking about. As we wrap up, Mm -hmm. I just want to share a little excerpt from your book that I really love and, and kind of drives home what you just shared. It's called Better Than Okay, Finding Joy as a Special Needs Parent. And it's right in the introduction and you write, I can only speak to my experiences and how being a mom to children with special needs has changed my life in ways I never anticipated. I thought I would be unhappy, tired and filled with worry forever. I thought my son would be also sad and focused on the things they couldn't do but i was wrong and all i want to tell parents who reach out to me to know is that your future and your child's is only a dark and scary place if you let it become one i've learned that my love is not limited by a diagnosis and neither is my sons. And you see the joy in your family. It's very evident in your blog, in your writing, in your ministry. And as we wrap up and you talked about the grief process, we have to acknowledge and accept it, but also not to get stuck there because we can stay there. Mm-hmm. And so maybe some concluding words of hope. I know you have the Prayer of Abandonment by Blessed Charles D. Foucault, which is so good. That's a seminal classic for sure. Any wrap up words of encouragement?
0: I just want to say that, um, again, parents will be focused on the things right away that their kids can't do, but I always tell parents, you know, whatever God's plan is for your child, your child can achieve that in whatever way they've been created. So I believe my sons are perfect the way they've been created. God wouldn't give them a mission that they couldn't do in the body they were given. So whatever mission God has for your child, whatever plan, vocation, your child can do that just the way they are created. They are perfect in God's eyes for the mission that he has for them. So keep that in mind and don't allow the negative thoughts, negative talk about what they can't do stop you from seeing all the things that your child is capable of doing
1: amen that is a big one and i know you bring us into that in resources and tools and reminders and prayers on your website we're, we're talking about special needs parenting from a catholic perspective thank you again to kelly mantone founder of the apostolate accepting the gift you can find out more by visiting the landing page with the same name acceptingthegift.org. lots of helpful resources support on the website thank you so much again kelly you're such a good mom god bless you
0: Great being here. Thanks for chatting.
1: Thanks, Kelly. My name is Brooke Taylor, in for Timory. When we come back, Mary Lenneberg is with us. She is a wife and mother speaker, author of the award winning book, Be Brave and the Scared. And she will be with us next, right here on Relevant Radio and the app.
0: Fear is lighter. You take your breath, stop you.
2: Your steps, fear is liar. He will rob
0: your wrist, steal your happiness, cast your fear in the fire.
1: Isaiah 41.10, Do not fear. I am with you. Do not be anxious. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. That's scripture from the book of Isaiah, one of many stamped throughout the pages of the book that we are about to open and explore. It's called Be Brave and the Scared. How I learned to trust God during the most difficult days of my life. My name is Brooke Taylor, in for timory Glad to be back with you. This is Trending and the author of that book, Mary Lenneberg, is with us now. Welcome to the show, Mary. Thanks so much for having me, Brooke. It's an absolute delight to be with you. Finally, I'm so glad we get to connect. And before we even launch in, I want to just make sure that I give the number again for anyone who wants to join the conversation. It's 1-888-914-9149. That's the studio line. If you have a question or a story, Mary is with us for the rest of the hour. Mary, I mean, you really have a story within a story, not just about being a caregiver, a special needs mom, but also your marriage. And so we're going to do our best with the time we have (laughs) to try to get into those nuggets there. But it's really fascinating because Because just yesterday, if you happen to be listening to Trending, Colleen Campbell was here and we were talking about this lifelong pursuit of perfection, you know, her being a high achiever and how it was really tightly tied to control and then control to fear. And as you remind us right in the beginning, opening pages of your book, really it's the illusion of control and I guess I want to start there because that's your first chapter it's called out of control and that's where you kind of begin this journey and how that starts in that chapter for you so take us maybe there into that part your story this stage of your life and your special needs journey
3: oh gosh okay so control is definitely it's it's a mirage it's an illusion. Mm. And for me, as a young wife and mother, my husband and I were, um, gosh, we were just, I think, married for four years at this point, and we had a three-year-old son, and our daughter Courtney had come into our world so beautifully about five weeks previous to the day, uh, where everything kind of turned upside down in our world. It was the day of my daughter's baptism. We had gathered, I'm one of eight children myself, and we had gathered for a big family wedding. And when you have a large family, you know, my mom puts out the word. Who needs a sacrament? Everybody's together. What do we need to do? And so Courtney was baptized that weekend, surrounded by um, extended family and friends. And being a military family at that point, we were, you know, 12 hours away in another state. So it was such a joy to be able to celebrate not only my brother's wedding, but my daughter's baptism. And it was during that baptism ceremony where she had her first grand mal seizure, and um, we didn't know it was a seizure at the time we just thought the water was cold but she did it again and she did it again and we end up in the hospital and um everything turned upside down my whole world turned upside down in that moment and i was a woman of planning i was a woman of vision i lived by my to-do list at least at the time i did and here i was faced with a situation with a diagnosis of seizure disorder origin unknown so not only did my daughter now, my beautiful, perfect daughter, have a seizure disorder? They didn't know why. And that diagnosis remained with her for the remainder of the 22 years. We were privileged to love her this side of heaven. And so I found myself negotiating with God in the middle of the night in the pediatric intensive care unit and, you know, uh, yelling and screaming at, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? And I simply wanted my daughter to live and I wanted to be able to love her. And God allowed that. Now, in some circumstances, he doesn't. You know, uh, children pass away all the time of seizures and other disorders, but he allowed uh, my Courtney to live. And um, because of that, my life and who I am, who my husband and I are, who we are as a family with our son, um, is completely different than who we were before that day. And it has been quite a journey. Um, And it, Courtney's disability touched every part of my life. It touched how I handled my physical life, my spiritual life, and as you touched upon um, my marriage. When you get a diagnosis, um, as Kelly so beautifully talked about earlier in the episode, you know, everything changes. Nothing is the same. Your perspective is completely changed. And Courtney was like an earthquake in our life. And there were things that were not right, but we had tapped them down and tapped them down because we were just living, we were surviving. And, and what Courtney did for us was, she basically broke up the ground and everything that we had been hiding from came to the surface. And one of those things was addiction, uh, pornography for my husband and food for me. So we both brought these things into our marriage, but we were ignoring them. And here comes this child who, um, God used as a, a suffering servant, not only in our lives, but in so many others, um, to really show us the face of Christ and who he needed us to be as a family. So it was, um, quite a moment.
1: it's such a paradox, though, because, you know, when you're talking about control, it, you really, as you said, it's a mirage. And then you realize it's it's only then that you realize I'm actually trusting in myself and not God. And you say in your book, does the pain in your life make you feel like a failure? Because I didn't trust God, I placed my need to feel independent ahead of Him. When we believe that we have to handle everything on our own strength, and that we're willing to do anything to handle everything, we are standing on the edge of the abyss with our big toe hanging over. It's a toxic mixture of fear and pride, Pride that you can do everything on your own power and fear that you will step off that cliff and never stop falling. And the beautiful thing is, unfortunately, uh, again, the things that we often fear the most are the very things that are our ladder to heaven and that that bring us to Him. And, and you touched on, and you've always been so endearingly, sometimes painfully transparent for years with your audience. And whether that's on social media or you know the book that we're making our way through now, uh, which is called Be Brave and the Scared. is you said, a big part of your story dealing with a life-altering diagnosis, the stages of grief, the anger, the denial, the guilt, was then concurrently realizing your husband had an addiction to pornography. So, And you say that too when you look at the statistics that, and again, this is going to control, I had become obsessed with not mm-hmm. allowing Jerry, my husband, and me to join the eighty percent of couples with severely disabled children who end up divorcing, no matter what it took. I was determined to keep us in the twenty percent. And so you ended up descending into that darkness with him. And your your honesty is painful, but it's also beautiful. And maybe if you could take us into that and you mm-hmm. from that mire.
3: Sure. I mean, addiction is is always, you know, it's a shell game, right? It, it's it's showing you that there is pain and trauma somewhere, and it's it's sort of this result uh, that always has a basis somewhere. There's there's a there's a starting point for it, and so this was something that my husband had dealt with since he was a young man. Um, it was exacerbated in the military with long separations from uh, from me as his wife, and. And for me, um, it was always food. I am the daughter of a of an alcoholic, and so I, I don't drink. I don't touch, drink, but food is my alcohol. And so, you know, as addicts, we try to control everything around us. And so we made it look like to the world that we were just fine. Our family was fine. We showed up at mass on Sunday. We, you know, um, our children were always cleaned and well-pressed, and even though Courtney Was wheelchair bound and nonverbal and cortically blind, you know, she looked like she was well cared for. It was very important to me. You know, image was everything. And what I came to understand is that, you know, when you pulled back that that band aid that we had put on our lives and on our marriage, it was a gaping wound. And what we needed was we needed Jesus and we needed his redemption and we needed his restoration and we needed his forgiveness. And, you know, God doesn't expect perfection, but what he asks for is relationship and persistence and perseverance in that. And so, you know, our life has been a story of surrender. It's been a a story of acceptance, of imperfection, of, um, you know, we have always been outliers as a family with a profoundly disabled child. Um, It becomes very challenging in the church. Uh, as you talked about earlier, to be welcomed in to a community of believers when they don't understand what they're seeing. And um, so we had to learn through our own journeys of addiction, through our own surrender of our marriage, complete and total surrender of our marriage, the redemption of our marriage through the teachings of theology of the body. What that taught us was also to recognize the dignity of our daughter, who was made in God's image and likeness, just like we are, And God doesn't make mistakes. And Courtney was perfectly made as she was. And, you know, even though she had challenges in her life, she could love, you know. And that's what we're all called to do. We're all called to do one thing by God, and that's to love Him and to love one another. And Courtney did that perfectly. And, you know, she showed us a way to love without condition. And, you know, she changed who we are. She, she showed us and pointed us toward God to where we were able, Jerry and I, to look at one another and see the dignity of one another, you know, mm-hmm. um, to accept the other with their imperfections, with their challenges, and with the wounds that they, you know, Jerry brought into the marriage and I brought into the marriage. And through all of that, you know, yes, we did cling to that 20%. And yes, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a girl who loves goals. And so, you know, I was <laughs> determined. And, and God made me that way. He made me that competitive person um, because there were days where that was the only thing that was keeping me in the game. That was the only thing that was keeping me from running out the door, you know. So He used everything He made us to be everything he made our son and our daughter-to-be to keep us moving together as a family toward him. Imperfectly, messy, you know, just all the yuck. He took all of it. He took our sin. He took our addiction, and he remade it. And now we find ourselves in this beautiful season. Our daughter has been home with the Lord for nine years now, this December. And he has changed our lives completely. We are now in ministry to other couples and to other families. And um it's just amazing. I am I, I it takes my breath away to see um at the darkest points of my marriage and of my own personal journey with addiction that God met me there, he loved me there, and he used our daughter and our need to love her and to care for her properly, to bring us out of those dark, dark places. You know, she used to say all the time she was the heart of our home, and she taught us that love always wins. You know, she was our sunshine. And um, it's hard without her here because she was a daily reminder of, you know, of loving one another and seeing in each other the face of Christ.
1: Mary Lenneberg is with us. We're talking about her book, her story, her life, Be Brave in the Scared, how I learned to trust God during the most difficult days of my life, the difficult things, the painful things, also the funny things. I mean, when we talk about order and disorder and virtue and vice, and you're being very open about the things that you and Jerry, all of you as a family struggled with in different ways. And it's, it's so human and humble because We know in the spiritual warfare, the enemy knows us and uses and exploits those things that are our vulnerabilities. And and you talk about, this is where the humor comes in, when you discuss the things that you went to to fill that that longing. And it was, you said, I was too fragile to risk rejection. And you know what? The golden arches never rejected me. (laughs) They always greeted me with a smile and hot food. And that made me fulfilled for about 10 minutes. But after that, not so much. And so talking about the weight of it all, burying the pain, but then as you said, change demands two things, surrender and a willingness to do the hard work required. And so those two things I want to drill down to a little bit when we come back from the break, the role of caregiving and how time and time again the fingerprints of God Evident in your life, and at one point you are able to go to the Lord's, and I want to get into that as well when we come back from the break. Mary Lenneberg with us. The phone lines are open. If you have a question, you want to join the conversation, one triple eight nine one four. 9149 we've been discussing special needs parenting from a catholic perspective and so much from with kelly mantone sacramental prep to hearing from Vinny, a dad earlier in the program the stages of grief caregiving trust and hope we will zero in on those when we come back we'll be back with more after the break here on relevant radio and the app you're listening to trending i'm brooke taylor stay with us
2: You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149.
1: Welcome back. My name is Brooke Taylor in for Timory. You're listening to Trending. I hope we can connect next week as well. I'll be sitting in for Cal Clark for a few days. And I think what I hope we have, I believe it is going to be a terrific trio of shows next week everything from what it means to see and embrace beauty to evangelizing the nuns those who identify as having no religion or faith at all using a formula and the wisdom of saint john henry newman i'll sit down with dr ryan topping he has a brilliant new book it's so good detailing his observations his approach that is going to start next monday and then tuesday wednesday i'll be in for kale Uh, those days next week. So I hope you'll be able to tune in. And also coming up the rosary coast to coast. Don't forget we're enfolding Vinny and his daughter and really all special needs parents. That's the theme of this program trending this evening. We talked to Kelly Mantone about sacramental prep, a surprising diagnosis, navigating the world of special needs, not just as parents, but as the body of Christ, the church. And now with Mary Lenneberg, she has been with us. Her book is Be Brave and the Scared, How I Learned to Trust God During the Most Difficult Days of My Life. It's an award-winning book. Mary speaks to audiences all over the world and also has contributed to meditation books. She's a great um, retreat speaker as well. And before the break, Mary, you were talking about the challenges, God's grace, and your marriage, all of that caregiving. Uh, One of the things is we mentioned the fingerprints of God time and time again, evident the mercy in the mess, as you say, you at one point, thanks to the Order of Malta, make a trip to Lourdes. Can you talk about that pilgrimage with your daughter, Courtney?
3: Sure. Uh, that was, It was in May of 2000, so it was the year of Jubilee. What a beautiful oh, time wow. to go. My husband had uh, been raised a Lutheran and came into the Catholic Church the year prior, the Easter vigil prior. So he was a brand new Catholic, and I had been raised in the church my whole life. So we show up in Lourdes with our daughter in her little pink wheelchair, and um, it was like Catholic Disneyland. Either one of us <laughs> knew what to do or it was i remember jerry looking around saying i'm not catholic enough for this and i just laughed (laughs) and i said i've been a catholic my whole life and i'm not catholic enough for this so it was just a little bit it was overwhelming but at the same time we had tremendous peace we were very open to whatever our lady wished to do um you know we were we had agreed to go in the water and courtney was going to go in the water and so we prepared for that um our son was back at home with my parents and, and he was nine at the time and, and just so thrilled because, uh, you know, he knew all about Saint Bernadette and he knew all about Our Lady of Lords and, um, and he was, you know, thrilled that his sister was going to get to have this experience of being in the healing waters. And so we go into the waters and we, and we have, you know, our daughter, um, shows us, you know, with her physical body and, and some of the things that we write about in the book. She shows us that she understood where she was, and when we're in the water, both Jerry and I separately, we didn't know at the time because I was with Courtney with the mother and children, and he was where the men go. They're two separate places, and um, we both received this word of acceptance upon our hearts. We, we heard it in the voice of a young woman, and one of the prayers that we had had for so many years, because our daughter um, couldn't was nonverbal, she kind of um, sounded like Chewbacca when she spoke. She was very loud and, and did a lot of stimming and a lot of humming. And that was her happy voice. You know, she had a very sort of deep voice. And and we knew it was because some of the medications that had been given and some of the medical interventions that it wasn't probably the voice that, you know, she was born with. And so we used to pray, Lord, if one time in our life we could hear the sound of our, our daughter's voice, you know. And um, and so what we came to understand during our time in Lourdes was, uh, she spoke this word of acceptance that it took us four years. We we're very slow learners. It took us four years to figure out um, what she had said. And I remember being there and being so overwhelmed by the peace and the grace of Our Lady and, and just that the, the picture of the Pieta and, and how she so tenderly and carefully cared for her own child in the midst of his suffering and so you know when we brought her home from lords nothing changed we were more at peace as her parents and as her caregivers but like she still seized several times a day nothing changed in her daily life but when we were in an um an operating theater four years later uh we were in a waiting room waiting for her as she was having neurosurgery and i remember visiting going back to that moment when we were in the water and, Lord's and, and that word came to me and I heard that young woman's voice, who I thought at the time was Our Lady, just whispering, accept what the Lord has brought to you and it's, you know, it's going to be okay. And it was a little confusing because we accepted and loved our daughter. So we weren't, you know, we were wondering, like, what else do we need to accept? And here I was four years later and reading uh, the notes that I had gone through from a recent retreat that I had attended. And, you know, the Catholic Church teaches about healing in three different ways. Miraculous healing, something's there, then it's not there through prayer. And then healing after a time of, of uh, challenge and suffering, thinking chemotherapy after a diagnosis of cancer, something like that. And then an acceptance that healing will not happen this side of heaven. And when I read those notes, I just knew, like, it landed, the Holy Spirit just landed on my heart. And I knew that was Courtney. It was her voice, and she was telling us in her way that she accepted the path that God had given her and that we as her parents needed to get off our dust and be her hands and her feet because she had things to do. And I remember going into the recovery room after that surgery and just it was just so uh, present on my heart. And Courtney had a very difficult time coming out of anesthesia and so they allowed me to go back sooner than most people. And so I kind of crawled into the bed with her and she was literally post-surgery about 20 minutes to 30 minutes. So she wasn't going to be awake for another two hours, according to the nurses. And I remember kind of crawling into the bed, and I just whispered into her ear, you know, Court, I get it. I get it. I understand. It only took us four years. I'm so sorry. You know, that was you. That was you and Lord's. It was your voice. And, and I just want you to know, Daddy, and I know, well, God provided a second miracle because our daughter opened her eyes in that moment and started laughing and looked right at me. And I was like, oh my gosh. But see, the first miracle had happened in Lords. We never thought our daughter would be able to receive any of the sacraments other than baptism, just as Kelly had kind of gone through. It's challenging in the church. But right. after we told our priest that was traveling with us what had happened in the water and how our daughter had responded and what we heard in our hearts, he went to the bishop who was traveling with us and asked permission for Courtney to receive her first communion. And so Courtney had received her first communion four years prior to this moment in Lords, and had been able to receive a very small piece of the host every time she attended Mass with us. So it might take four years, it might take 12 years, it might take 30 years, but God answers those prayers, you know, and we just knew. We knew at that point, here we were. She was, um, at the time, she was 11 years old, and we just knew our life, changed forever. The doors were just busted wide open and, and we took her everywhere. We witnessed to people. We had people praying over her in McDonald's. <laughs> her, her brother would go walk with her in the mall and Courtney loved rap music, which was unfortunate, but she loved it. And, <laughs> and, you know, there was a moment where her brother's on his knees, you know, this is a big six foot two football player with a beard and he's rapping the song because his sister is laughing in the middle of the gap. You know, um, I mean, God just, He brought, when we came home from Lord's, there was a joy that existed in our hearts that wasn't present before. And even though nothing, quote unquote, changed, she still sees. We still were in the hospital with pneumonia. We still, you know, were in the ICU three, four, five times a year. Our hearts had changed. We were yeah. filled with hope, we were filled with the Holy Spirit. We, we dedicated her to Our Lady of Lords. We dedicated our son to Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Our Lady came into our life and showed up as mother and showed up as caregiver because it's hard to parent a child who can't speak, who can't do anything for themselves. Even though she was a teenager, she, you know, um, was basically a six to nine month old child. And so mothering and caregiving can get wrapped up in this big, you know, bold ball of emotion and and prayer and devotion and um it's just it, it's extremely challenging but at the same time there will be nothing more important in my life than my walk with my daughter and my son and my husband um you
1: know the yeah, lord just continues to speak and the into sweetness you know, just the glimpses that we were able to glean from what you shared. I mean, we can feel and the the fruit of that long lasting, forever changing God's grace. And I hope that today's show will, will prompt many more prayers for parents of special needs children, for the nurses, for the aides, for the teachers who are often underpaid, for our priests, for our DREs. You know, there are so mm-hmm. many people as we continue to work and pray for marriages, for, for courage to embrace life, especially for, you know, the abortion minded mother who may have a diagnosis we hear the statistics you know these beautiful pre-born babies are often not given the opportunity to bless the world with their amazing gifts because there is fear and so that's why i think the name of your book your message your life be brave in the scared is so needed again the subtitle how I learned to trust God during the most difficult days of my life. Mary Lenneberg, thank you so much. It is like an elixir. We are called to courage and hope. The Rosary Across America is next with special host John Morales celebrating 20 years of morning air. I had a chance to hear that this morning. God bless you. Thank you to Kelly Mantone. Thank you to Jim and Patrick Alog. My name is Brooke Taylor. Until next time, Our Lady of Lourdes, pray for us.